Hello, and welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Today I'm joined by Brent Perry. Hi, hi. And Milos. Hello, hello. And we are here to continue our journey through Farscape uh, with Season 1, Episode 4, Throne for a Loss. Um, so, uh, were there any uh, basic thoughts we wanted to get out um, before we dive into the plot here? Or... Uh, I guess I should ask Milos after, now we're at four episodes, and how are you feeling here? And I highly doubt that's going to change. <laughs> okay, i just like to check in every once in a while, you know. Oh, yeah, just, oh, just take the temperature to. as we're going here, yeah. <laughs> any you know, everybody has... Their... I'd be like, yeah, I don't feel this. I'd be all like Justin, like... Everybody has... You guys like this this much? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We should say for um, we should say for you know the audience because you'll be getting these on a far different time frame than we're doing them on. We've basically recorded the first four of these in three days, was it? Um, yeah. Because my wife's out of town for another two weeks, so I've got crap loads of time to do these things right now. And um, Brent and I and Milos, at least so far, are loving this show, and it's just an excuse to plow through it again. And um, we well, were... I've I've loved the show since the start, and I have watched yeah. through it once after it ended. About I'm going to say eight to ten years ago. Yeah. So like, uh, and I loved it just as much the second time, and I'm loving it just as much the third time. So like, yep. we have a little fucking like Discord chat here that we all talk on, and like, I said this is easily my favorite sci-fi like ever. Yeah. And you we argued that, like, other than Star Trek, it's definitely up your on yours too. And it's like, you know, you can hold this against almost every Star Trek, and it like it holds up just as well, if not better, than even the best. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Um, but we were we were laying out what we wanted to schedule for the next few weeks as to which of these to actually get to do the recordings on. And Justin saw on our chat thing what we were laying out, and he goes, "You guys like this show this much." And you were just like, yeah. Uh, and I went, and I went. It's my favorite sci-fi show that doesn't have the word Star Trek in the title. So yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're have even you know three plus episodes in. We're having a blast just even doing this already. So uh, let's. And I hope when we start releasing these, the audience enjoys these as much as we've enjoyed doing them. Um, so let's get right into the plot for. Uh, season one, episode four, thrown for a loss. Um, so we open with uh, John and Aaron in a hallway, as um, Rigel has apparently uh, entered into some degree of negotiations with a race called the Tavlex. Uh, Tabloids. John somehow has a mental block on pronouncing this name right, and everyone gives him shit every single time he does it incorrectly, uh, which is every time he does it. Um, but Bacalakians. yeah, I thought of, I thought of the I thought of the uh, Justin's Takalakian thing from Black Panther, uh, which is also funny because Black Panther hit Disney Plus today too. Um, yes, it did. Yeah. So, uh, might well, okay. Crichton basically sets this whole episode up in the first like three lines. Okay, yeah. so Rigel has a job for us to move cargo for this tabloid race. And Aaron starts saying, Tavlek. 
And he says, yeah, okay, yeah. And then he's, he mentions it three or four times, and every time he says tabloid, <laughs> and she yells, every time her or Dargo always say Tavlak to him. The whole right. episode. It's the best running gag ever. Right. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you we, find out that like they're a pretty warlike species. Like they're basically like the Klingons and the Ferengi mixed together. They're greedy. Well, they're selfish. They're yeah. The other thing is that you know, uh, so Rigel sets up this thing where they're supposed to like meet each other to make the handoff for the cargo that they're supposed to run, and Aaron refuses to not go into that armed, mm-hmm. and John is very quickly like, "Well, that's a bad idea. Won't you just piss him off?" And then she goes, I don't care. They're, you know, I don't, I would prefer not to ever go into any situation not armed. So I don't really care what you think, stupid human. Um, and he starts trying to list examples off, which leads to, which we get out of the way very early. My Crichton line of the week Kung Fu! Kung Fu never carried a gun. <laughs> uh, John Wayne, he goes on a big John Wayne rant. Yeah. He's like, you know, yeah. the Duke, the big guy. And he yep. lists off five or six movies where, like, John Wayne's the hero, and he goes, Genghis Khan? Well, <laughs> nobody's list is perfect. And then, <laughs> then he drops the fucking Kung Fu, yeah. Yeah, Kung Fu never carried a gun. Uh, <laughs> so they go, they go down to this meeting in the cargo bay where they think it's just going to be a very simple, a very simple uh, handoff of the cargo and the money and whatever. And... Um, they show before this that, you know, Rigel is presenting himself as if he were still in charge of Hyneria, which we we know and the audience knows he isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the Tableks show up and they basically come into this situation guns fucking blazing because they've got another motive. They kidnap Rigel and leave. Uh, one of them... Uh, gets left behind because they start fighting and he gets shot or something, and one of the younger ones gets left there. You find out that they each have, like, these gauntlet things that they wear wear on one wrist that, like, the ability to shoot laser beams and create a force field and stuff. It kind of reminded me of the whole Bane thing from Batman. A little bit. It's pumping drugs through them, and they don't need to eat or sleep or any of that, and it gives them, like, superpowers and stuff. Um... Mm -hmm. So one of those gets left behind. Dargo takes it during the fight and tries to use it, and he has no clue what he's doing. And he's just like, man, son of a bitch. And he and he gets pissed off because they basically get their asses kicked and, and the, the Tavlicks get away with Rigel. So, you know, then he's kind of pissed. And so the Tavlicks leave, and... You find out at least kind of subtly that this thing, the the drugs this thing is pumping, make Dargo more aggressive than usual. It it does all the stuff that Bane's do. Yeah, it's yeah. a fair comparison. Which for him means he might as well just run around ripping all their arms and heads off because he's already aggressive enough. Well, yeah, um, he's already tuned to nine at idle. So like, yeah, when he puts this on, he goes up to fifteen, and you're just like, right. holy fuck! So he's so he goes on this whole rant about you know. You're a bunch of pussies, basically, and if I was in charge, this wouldn't have happened, so now that I have this thing, I'm in charge now. Too um, much talk, not enough action, yeah. Yeah. So he goes back to the command center. I always want to call it the bridge, because of Star Trek. He goes back <laughs> to command and yells at Pilot about, like, you know, why, are, why aren't we, mo- get us out of here, why aren't we moving? 
And Pilot kind of goes, well, Everyone is staying, actually, get Rigel back. And he's like, yeah. no, we're going to leave this. Okay. He's like, everybody it. else. He basically says, everybody else wants to stay and get Rigel back. What are you doing? And then Dargo yeah. just goes like, yeah, he did it to himself. Fuck him. Um, and then Pilot calls Crichton and Aaron. And I think yep. Zahn. And he's, he's like, Dargo's trying to get me to go. And like, I, I'm, and Crichton basically says, stall him, like, make up an excuse. So then yeah. when, like, they actually can't jump to and move, like, Crichton's like, oh, for real? <laughs> like, right. And then you find out that, um, that uh, you know, because Rigel's trying to make himself still look like a royal personage type, that he took some, like, important crystal from Moya's systems to, like, put it on a scepter so that he would look like a royal tool bag. And, uh... So then when they kidnap him, they take the scepter with them, so this crystal that they need is now gone. And uh, I don't actually think, because it's still fairly early, like, I don't think any of them actually care about getting Rigel back or not. It's just that they need the thing. Well, uh, at this point, like, he's helped save them twice. So, like, like him or not, he does have some uses. So they're right. like, well, he's one of us, whether we... Even yeah. if he is the smelly stepbrother, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think Dargo, even if he was normal, would very happily leave him. But the rest, oh, Dargo him, probably would. But Dargo's right. not exactly he, the most tactical of thinking in the early on. Yeah. And I think even Aaron would be like, would probably like hold her nose and be like, "Yeah, I don't really like him, but like you said, he does have use." So, mm -hmm. um, so they do decide to. Uh, make a rescue attempt to, to get him back, which they also need to do this, or they're not going to be able to go anywhere anyway. Um, so they, uh, so we cut well, to... It, basically, we're getting at this point, like, you're starting to see the dynamics, like, where, like, Rigel and Zahn are usually the ship crew, and, like, Dargo, Aaron, and uh, Crichton are the away team. Like, they're the action ones. You know what right. I mean? So, like, they're starting to plan their fucking mission to get Rigel back, and yep. Zahn's taking care of the tabloid <laughs> that, uh, the tabloid, the tabloid, the fucking, yeah, Tekalekian. Well, I kind of yeah. wonder, wonder, too, from a production standpoint, like, obviously, that's what you're going to do with Rigel, because the, the puppet's kind of limited, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yep. there's only so much you're going to be able to do with that anyway. I kind of wonder, too, in Zahn's case, if the... The full body makeup stuff made it harder for her to do a lot of, like, and not that the character is a physical one in nature to begin with, but that the the full makeup job made it harder for her to actually do a lot of things. Well, uh, there's that, and like someone of her species that can do that's as high a level in the priesthood as she is is actually very valuable. So like, she's quite kidnappable. Right. Compared right. to the rest of them, you know what I mean? So, like, it's more valuable for her to be like, okay, you hang with the ship, like, we'll go do the shoot 'em up stuff, like, we, yep. you're too important. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, they go, Argo, Aaron, and John go down to this planet to try to find no, no. Uh He stays behind, actually. Knocked out from the... Yeah, they... they oh, oh they that's make right. A, they try and make a knockout balloon and fucking... <laughs> oh, that's right. They get the gauntlet off of him. And yeah. then he passes yeah, out. They get the gauntlet off of him and the whole the drug, the gauntlet basically ingests into the system. 
Well, Pilot like out. synthesizes a knockout gas and like puts it in basically a water balloon, and Crichton gets all excited. He's like, "Oh, well, he's Zahn doing this all the time." Zahn does that. Zahn does. Yes, Zahn does. Yeah. But um, anyway, Crichton tries to hit him with the balloon, and he goes down for a second. Then he gets back up like twice as pissed, and <laughs> the look on both of their faces of just, oh, no, it was perfect. Well, at one point, doesn't <laughs> he go down to the planet because he gives Aaron the gun He goes after back fact, later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. So, yeah, once Earth. he wakes up from the drug withdrawal, he goes back. But there's a yep. whole side plot with Zahn on the ship about, you know, they have the one yep. like kid Tavlek there who, like, doesn't you know it and it kind of felt very you know again this is one of those things that one of those things that trek has done like a million times mm-hmm. i could probably, i could probably run off the three or four i can think of two trek episodes off the top of my head the one where the two species are drifting in space and like they say yeah. it's medicine and then it's a drug that's definitely a big fucking influence on this one yeah you have the, you have the and the Voyager episode that I'm thinking of would have been a couple of years before this, but you mm-hmm. have like Jatrell, mm-hmm. where Felix has that guy who hates him, mm-hmm. and they go back and forth a bunch. And then you have uh, the enemy, that one with Jordy and the Romulan on the planet where the visor doesn't work. Yeah. And they have to, like, get along with each uh, other. Um, yeah. But I don't, you know, as much as, again, like I mentioned in the last one we did, as much as this is a, this is, this part of this at least is a plot I've seen a thousand times. I don't care because you're getting a ton of really great character work for Zahn in here, which makes mm-hmm. me not care that they're co- they're they're building that around a sci-fi trope you've seen a bajillion times. Like, well, it's it, I can compare that idea to Deadpool. It didn't yep. do anything really different. It just did all of the things that it kind of borrowed really well. So it's like I don't care if they ripped from something else as long as they did it well. Yeah, and this is definitely that. Like, oh, it's definitely, definitely an idea that you've seen a hundred thousand times on a hundred different kinds of shows from sci-fi, like you say, the Star Treks alone, right into like family comedy of the '90s, like that one drug episode. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but, but like, make it, work. it manages to put its own spin on it because, like, we'll get there by the end. But like, I like how this one is handled. Like, no servants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because she basically, you know, this Tavlek guy looks at them like they're all a bunch of weaklings because of how easily his own people were able to take them out. And, you know, she's very much like, you know, yeah, maybe, but there's value to that. And you just don't see it because of how your society has programmed you to think. And Um, at the same time, he's also withdrawn from a drug that was in the system probably from the time he hit puberty. You know what I mean? Like... Whenever yep. he had that gauntlet attached in the first place, right? They don't really say how long those people carry those around. Um, so, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of that, and then the relationship between them kind of develops as it goes on. And like, she at one point doesn't she like strip naked in front of him to make? Well, him... she takes yeah. his armor. Well, he does or Aaron, Aaron takes his. Yeah. Go go. Aaron takes his armor and his stuff. And he wakes up in the cell, and she's like, do you want to eat? And he's like, no. And he's all, like, really snarky because it's, like, the first interaction, really, with them. He's going through withdrawals, and he's like, they took my clothes, and I'm not wearing the fucking bed sheet they gave me. And he stands up, and he's like, are you afraid? And she's like, "Are you think you're the one who's ashamed of nudity. And she's like, strips off. Has an actual, yeah. like, good moment with nudity. Yeah, and it's she like, calls oh, him there a boy. You go. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, because he really, I mean, if she thinks Dargo's a kid, what is this guy? Right? Yeah. I mean, 
So, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff there interspersed throughout. Like, there's a couple scenes between these two, and it'll pay off at the end. Um, I The thing I got out of it is that, you know, and I honestly can't remember whether, I mean, this must come back in some form or another, but that she has a very, very dark side that she mm-hmm. makes, makes a real effort to restrain a lot of the time because... Well, because she's, yeah, and she's always sucking in negative emotions. She's not, yeah, so, like, it's easy to take the toll on her if she doesn't get a recharge, basically, like, Moya after it starbursts. Like, mm-hmm. And I also kind of feel like, you know, probably just being around this crew at this point that doesn't really like each other all that much yet, you know, for one, is probably not great for her to be around as, like, an emotional receiver, for one. And Yeah, then, but, like... It seems like they all like her enough, so she gets enough positive encouragement, like just from interacting with them. Like yeah, she's but... had nice moments with all, like Rigel and fucking Aaron and Crichton, and like, you know what I mean. So like, she's yeah. getting like slight recharges like that. But when she like spends a big power drain, like sucking out Moya's fucking pain in uh, IET, or yeah, like mm-hmm. trying to take away this guy's drug addiction, fucking like hurtings, like that shit has to take a toll, and like. You don't see it now, but that does become a character point later, and they do some really interesting things with it. Like, yeah, no, they definitely do, from what I remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and again, we don't want to put anything on air before Milos has seen it, so we're just gonna kind of yeah. Backwards. So I'm I'm staying as vague as I can, but like, yeah. there's some really good stuff coming with Zan. Like, oh, they're yeah. setting up weird rules, but again, they stick to their rules really well. And by the time they explain it all, you're like, wow, these people actually give a shit about what they're writing here. Like. So, on the planet, you got a couple of things going on here. You've got, you know, Rigel's in a cell with... With Cthulhu. With another... There's another alien next to him. It's like a big Cthulhu puppet thing. I think it's called, uh... uh, Joseph. Like, yeah, like Jabbath or something like that. I thought it was Joseph or Joseph or something like that, yeah. I had it written down. Yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. But I lost track of it. Um... So then, basically, you find out what these Tavlek people do. I, I love that we're making fun of the show for writing Crichton not being able to say the alien name, and we're just like, oh, what's his name? Fucking Jacinda? J- oh. Jabiro? Yeah, that him. him. Jabith or something. Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rigel says it like eight times, and I couldn't remember. Yeah, what but he it was. says it different like four different times, and it's like, what yeah. is his name? So he's, uh, the name is Jothbeth. Okay. Oh, okay. Basically, okay. J-O-T-H-A-B. So, yeah. Jotham. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so, basically, what these Tavlik people, do, what these Tavlik people do, is that they they capture and ransom royal people, and then, mm-hmm. uh, so basically, Rigel did this to himself by you know claiming to still be in charge of Hyneria. If he hadn't done that, they probably would have just. On the cargo deal, and it would have been over with. Um, you know what's what's fun about that idea? So far in the few episodes that we've gotten through, every character has a bluff moment that they win, and when it comes to Rigel's bluff moment, he no, fails he completely. Yeah. Well, because I think, you know, as much as the whole thing with Rigel is that he does have what I'll call, for lack of a better term, hidden worth, or like... The, all the other characters think he's kind of useless, but he does actually have hidden worth. At the same time, he also, 
I think because of the nature of his upbringing and the life he's had up to this point, he also at times can grossly under overestimate his own abilities too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of an interesting character thing that it, uh, in one hand he, he, he will say that at times he is like ridiculously inadequate, but then at other times he'll just be a complete bluster machine and get them mm-hmm. into some ridiculous load of bullshit. Um, you know, so, so that's the thing, like his best moments are when he's being real to himself. Like when he's putting on the act to himself and everyone else, he's always failing. And it's like, it's something subtle, but like, you can see that through the character as it goes. And like, the more he's like actually open about who he is and the shit that happened, like the more he actually becomes like the rest of them where he gets a couple of wins more than losses. Yeah, but like, like even early on, like it shows that he's the one that gives more of a shit than anybody other than like Pilot and probably Zahn about Moya. Right, right. Like right. he might not have the interaction right with like the other humanoid characters, but when it comes to the ship, like yeah, he cares. Like he's a part of that crew. Yeah. He's going to do I, what's best for that ship, and it's it's Moya, subtle, but it is have there. To pretend to be something he's not. Well, yeah, like, Moya's, like, almost the only thing that he's being honest to right now. Exactly, yeah. Yep, and I would would argue that, you know, right now, at least, he respects the ship, because, obviously, he knows without the ship that I'll be dead. Um, I would have argued that he respects Pilot until he steals from him. Um, Yeah, but he, in his, he said Boro. If it was Rigel and he was going to steal it, he wouldn't have said anything. He would have took it. So he was actually asking Pilot for help there. And that's, again, you don't see, like, it's not immediately obvious, but, like, Rigel is, they're building some good stuff with his character already, too. Like, Yeah, yeah. And I kind of wonder, too, and, like, you know, maybe he does get a lot of good character moments throughout the show. I kind of wonder if, and I'm I'm really glad the character is a puppet. Like, I think that's half the fun (laughs) of it is that he's this little puppet thing. But I wonder sometimes, too, if, like, maybe they limited how much actual screen time he got because dealing with the puppet thing was hard. And if he Well, that's, maybe... it's definitely a limitation that, yeah, yeah if you're going to use puppets, you're going to have to figure that out. But it was the Henson <laughs> Company, and it was 1999, so, like, yeah, they had anything... a pretty good idea how to cheat things even back then, right? If anything, these people are <laughs> the masters of puppets. Um... So, yeah. So so you have this thing on the planet where he's interacting with this giant alien Jabith, or Jafith, or whatever it was. And, uh, so he... Jebediah. This guy represents this other group called the Consortium of Troll, and, mm-hmm. uh, eventually convinces the, uh, so the Tavlek guy comes back, and, uh, Rigel basically refuses to give him anything of value because... I mean, Rigel knows he's worth nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what's he gonna do? So then the Tavlek guy kills him, and then somehow Javith is able to bring him back to life through some weird alien thing. And uh, he basically says to, to Rigel after that, in what I assume it was a spin on, like, the, the Wookiee life debt thing, he's like, oh yeah, I, uh, because I did that, I basically own you now, and... Uh, because you're but not just you, everything that you rule over is now part of the consortium that I own. Like yeah, because you're the because you're the dominar of Hyneria, I also now own all your subjects too. And at the, while he was dead, 
I believe Jabba says to the the uh, the tablet guy, "Well, uh, the consortium of whatever I think it was Troll will yeah. pay his will pay his ransom now." And then after they bring him back from the dead, he, uh, the tablet guy leaves, and that's when Jabba gives him the whole speech about like, "I own you and all your people now," and Rigel just goes. No, you don't. I'm not worth anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking pulling a fucking ruse here, bud. Like, they gave, they gave I don't me, have any people. <laughs> yeah, they gave me the boot, so you're just stuck with me. Um, so, so there, there's that whole thing going on, and uh, you also have outside that complex on the planet, you have John and Aaron trying to uh, make a rescue attempt, and uh, they have the gauntlet on them. Uh, which, I, which I think John does without Aaron's knowledge at first. Um, no, Aaron has it without Aaron John. No, yeah. And he's like, John so what's our plan? Like, there's one of us and, like, a planet full of them. And she's like, don't worry. She slaps it on with dude's armor that yeah, she stole oh, yeah, off. She's, fucking... wearing, she's wearing all the armor, too. Yeah, so she, like, tries to go in undercover, and she has a big fucking arguing match and <laughs> ends up having a fight. He tries to have her back, but he blows up her gun. And the explosion is what Dargo notices on the screen, and he's like, all right, well, I'm still out of it, but, like, I gotta back. go help them. Yeah. yeah. And that's, um, yeah. So then she goes in and tries to take out all these other Tavleks, and I believe she actually accomplishes that at some point, or this is where I got Oh, the explosion caught. scares them away. So they run okay, away, so they run, and then Dargo and then, shows up, and then, like, they figure out that she's suffering the same thing Dargo did when he had the gauntlet on. So they right, try to take right. it off. And well, then yeah, she was going to fight, was gonna fight Darko, Dargo with the gauntlet. And Dargo's like, oh, you're a coward. Like, fight me with this, you know, hand to hand. And then when uh, she jumps oh, on yeah. him, he stabs her with the, with the, with tongue, the tongue thing. Knocks which, her out again, and then the gauntlet falls off. Which for a warrior that is like always like kill first in most situations, the fact yeah. that he's like, no, I can peacefully put her down and save my friend. Like you're you're getting the, like I said, they build the respect and friendship little by little, but it's there very early. And like this is another moment that's actually really big between him and Aaron. Well, I also like after that when John goes into the building to get Rigel out, and they're sitting there like watching favorite line in the show, right the there. Yeah. That whole dialogue right bit. Like, imagine of, somewhere out there, there's a world full of Yeah. How useless how that must stupid, be. <laughs> and how stupid and useless they are. And then she <laughs> and if I hadn't set that rule of, like, my favorite line of the show has to come from John, this, <laughs> this would have been, this probably would have been it. Because then she, then she goes, I can't imagine how stupid and useless a planet full of him would be. I, the only thing that'd be worse is your planet, basically. Yeah. Well, no, I think she's. I think the exact wording was like, "I never thought I'd find a species that was dumber and clumsier than yours is." Mm, and then, he just drops her. And he's like, yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. laying on the ground, and he's kind of propping her up. And the second she says that, he just kind of drops her on the ground. Yeah, it was great. Goes, like he goes, "Ow!" And then he says, "I'm." And it was in that very kind of like as snarky as Dargo's ever going to get, where he's like. I'm sorry. You know how stupid and clumsy we are. That's Luxon's area. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. and then he gets uh, Rigel out of the complex, and they just they basically and I I couldn't help laughing at like the creative ways they use to show that you're 
somehow manipulating Rigel when he's not on the sled. Because obviously, otherwise, you'd be, like, showing the puppet parts and stuff. So if you just they just throw Rigel in a bag, and then, you know, you never see anything below, like, his head. But his head comes out of the bag at one point, and, um... Well, it's, it's basically the Master Yoda trick. Yeah. So, um, he basically... John basically admits that, like, hey, we just came here because you have the thing that we need, and the fact that we're rescuing you is just coincidental. Um, and there's this great dialogue bit between them where he goes, where uh, John asks him, like, where's the crystal thing? And he goes, it's fine. I've got it. And John just goes, did you swallow it? And he's like, yeah, but I didn't really have any other choice. And he goes, well, that yeah, means No, he didn't ask him, did you swallow it? He was like, you swallowed it, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then he says, uh, he's like, that means you either have to take me back to the ship or you can just disembowel me right here. And then. And John's wearing the gauntlet at this point. And then John says the thing that I almost made the line of the week don't tempt me, Fluffy. Yeah. Um, So they get the. Also, the the whole when uh, when he goes to get him, when he's negotiating with uh, Bekesh or whatever the guy's name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, constantly picking Rigel in the sag. That was funny. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, he's trying to get Rigel shut up, so he just keeps kicking him in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like the fact that um, you know that uh, Bekesh radios up to the ship and asks to speak to the kid that's there, and you know he's trying to figure out whether the ship actually has anything of value that they should just attack them and take it. And the you know, one point comes up and he's like, listen, I'm going to, you know, anything. We have no food, no wealth, no guns, nothing. Like, right. The, and he's like, why are you telling like, me this? And he's like, I'm just telling you the truth. And he's like, yeah. nobody's told me the truth in a very long time. And then he's like, yeah, we can raid you up. You're a boy and yeah. you're going to ask him. Yeah. So the kid's very much like, they're not worth your time. Don't worry about it. Just, you know. Yeah, and there's a whole, like, uh, there's a, a scene when he's talking to him. And Bekesh kind of asks him, like, is there anything, anything like, worth ransoming up there? Yeah. And there's an eye contact that he makes with Zahn, like, mm-hmm. and almost see, like, if he didn't have that connection with Zahn, where he, she kind of helps him through the withdrawal. She, I like yeah. And somebody like, worked uh, stealing, kidnapping up here. Yeah, because he very easily, or he very easily could have said, like, they were torturing me, go ahead and blow them up. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah, but, like, at the same time, like, do you have any idea how valuable Zahn would be to that people? Right, but do they know uh, that? I don't know. No, but he no. could have said that. Yeah. But I'm not even sure they would know what a Delvian was if you said that no but like he even could if he, have he could have said uh, like she took away yeah. all of my sickness when the gauntlet was off like this could cure our whole like she'd be more valuable than any fucking thing in the universe to a species like that like oh i see what you mean yeah. you know what i mean like and he's like no there's nothing yeah. of value and like it sounds like it's insulting zon but in a way it's actually protecting her and it's like okay that's a really nice little character moment between zon and someone we're never gonna fucking see again yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure that we see Bekesh again later. I think so, but I don't know if we see yeah. uh, whatever his name was. Uh, Rorg? I think I have an idea. Here's the kid. Where, I think I have an idea kind of where we might 
see him again, but that's down the road from now. Uh, but yeah, like, she tries to tell him, like, there's a scene between Zahn and the young Tekalakian. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, he's going through the withdrawals, and she's trying to get him to eat. So, like, she does take away, like, his fucking, like, the cravings and the fucking pain of withdrawal. Yeah. And, like, they have a moment there where, like, yeah, it's actually really well done. Like, there's good character building for her this whole yeah. episode. And then at the end, yeah. yeah they when... really do Zahn justice in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as much yep, screen and... time as they uh, give to the three of them, like, when they're, especially when they're down on the planet. Like, Zahn and what she does on the ship, like, gets equal screen time. Well, you like, can really you... see pieces of her that you didn't see first three episodes. And, like, John made this comparison in the first episodes, and, like, it's it's perfect. Like, it's a lot like Next Generation's cast in a lot of aspects. And, like, the problem with Next Generation, especially early on, was, like, they didn't have anything for Troy to do other than pop in and go, huh, and, like, not be empathetic. <laughs> like, I, then, I wish, part of me wishes, so like part of me wishes that this show existed before Next Generation, because then... They would have looked at this and seen like, yes, you can actually write a character with these powers, mm. not as an idiot. Um, exactly. And that's like, they find really smart ways of making Zahn important without like trying to force her into the action scenes that like her character is just not really built up for. Yeah. And it, I don't think they ever say that she's like a pacifist or anything, but I could not imagine her like in a gunfight. Well, when she cuts loose like that, bad things can happen to their personality. And that's, again, that's stuff that'll come up later, like, in a really good way. But, like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they set the character up. Again, it's so good. Like, the writing, every character is actualized right away. And I know I'm saying that, like, every episode. But, like, they really, really are. And, like, I can't say anything because I don't want to spoil anything. But, like, once you get the... really only done four of them of a 92-hour show. So, and I'm probably going to say it, like, every time. So, so I think eventually you'll either yeah. find other ways to say it, or we it'll just be understood you won't need to say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I might uh, keep it going, though, because yeah. it, it applies. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah. really, though, like, like they're setting up things that, like, I'm not going to give away, but, like, everything is important, and, like, all of the characters are getting these moments where, like, you don't realize how much it's actually building their character to you, but it really is. Like, it's... Again, like yeah. the, like Dargo and Aaron having like a fucking respectful conversation until they start one disses the other, and then they both kind of get snarky at each other. And like that's a, it's a neat way to show that like yeah. And again, with the conversation with Zahn with Crichton in the episode before, where they're like they're warriors. Like if you show respect, they'll show respect. So like it's fun seeing the back and forths and like oh they're gonna be friends, and then like a moment like that where like they completely insult each other, and they're like all right, maybe they're not like. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's good writing. I think it takes a while before you settle into the dynamics that these characters will eventually have, but they, they do it in, it's written in such a way that like, you know, they don't all get along right away, but it's never done in such a way where like one of them is played enough in a certain direction where you're meant to hate them or anything. (laughs) Like it's all grounded in how they get to you know, the way the show is written, like, it's all grounded in how they, you know, you understand why they are where they are mm-hmm. at, any given, at any given point in the show, and as it goes on, you see the 
developments, the way those developments play out makes sense because it's all kind of built on, you know, uh, the whoever, you know, the guy who wrote this had a great understanding of where these characters started from, and then mm-hmm. he thought of really organic ways to get them get them to the end point he wants to get them to where you don't feel like, you know, we talk on all kinds of other things, particularly recent movie reviews where we just keep coming back to how infantile the frickin' scripts are a lot of the time, mm-hmm. where, like, they get, you know, the scriptwriter gets characters to do things that are out of character or like like blatantly out of character to do to get to some end point mm-hmm. and i feel like you know even i don't really know what rockney o'bannon's writing process for this show was i wasn't really i was only minimally concerned about those kind of things at the time that i was watching this originally i would but... say heavy doses of either lsd or cocaine are highly <laughs> possible yes like if he if he had this whole thing or at least like outlines for this whole thing drafted out before he even sold it to sci-fi like i feel and i don't know if that's the process he used or not like it's it's uh famous within sci-fi circles that J. Michael Straczynski, for example, had all of Babylon 5 written before he even sold it, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this was that or not, but I mean, every character move that is made in the course of this show, from what I remember, and like I said in a couple of the earlier ones we've done, it's been years since I've actually watched this from beginning to end, but... I don't remember any particular character move feeling like, oh, that's bullshit, this character wouldn't do this. So, like... There is some later, but then they actually kind of explain it away in a, maybe not a great way, but a satisfactory way by the end of Peacekeeper Wars and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, Like like, we've said already in the earlier ones, some of that was because they they were told halfway through the fourth season that it was getting the axe after they had been told they were going to get another year. So suddenly a lot of the scripts become scrambling to get to a certain point. Well, well, not only that, they didn't know they were going to get the Peacekeeper Wars at that point either. So they were scrambling to try to write everything to close everything to a certain point. And then before they even had that done, they were like, okay, well, we might do a four-hour fucking close-off for you. So then they kind of had to stretch what they had left into that. And it was, it's not the writer's fault or the actor's, like. The passion for the show never went away. It was just the studio, like I said, I think we figured out that it was probably merger with Disney at that point in time that kind of killed it. Like, yeah, uh, when we get when we get closer to actually doing those, like when we get closer to the tail end of four and doing the Peacekeeper Wars, I'm going to see if I can find stuff that actually... I did see something today that where some spokesman for the Sci-Fi Channel, and this is just, you know... To me, even now, like this is just the standard tripe that anyone says in that situation, where I guess the statement by Henson and the Sci-Fi Channel was, the show was getting too expensive to do, and the audience was going down the toilet. So then we, you know, and I and I can at least see that to an extent because of how, because of how serialized it was, particularly in the later years, mm-hmm. where I almost wonder if like. If you missed one, particularly in like one of the trilogies or whatever, like if you missed one of those, you're effed for yeah. months, right? Mm-hmm. So I could almost see like maybe you know it's not that the 
it's not that the viewership went down because it got crappy or whatever, but it was just so. Yeah, but that's initial viewership, and like I wonder yeah. if you like go back now and look at like initial viewership throughout throughout like the seasons they were saying were successful versus yep. like repeat views in like rerun season. Yeah, when people usually actually get to watch a show that they didn't because there was some competitor on TV at the time because there was right. no streaming sites like there is now. Right, there were no. Like I, I wonder if they would have let that run through the rerun season if the numbers would have been comparable and. It was just bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is, like, back then there were, you know, TV on a home-consumable format was way less common than it is now. Like, you didn't have half as many shows releasing home video equivalents. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it took years for Farscape to hit Blu-ray. I think that happened within the last two years. Yep. Um, and, like, even DVDs um, were, like, rare to see them actually pump out oh for yeah, Farscape. And the, the original, well, the, the original DVD sets for these were, like, you, and maybe I'm the only one old enough to remember this, and maybe, Brent, in Canada, you didn't have these, but I remember as a kid, when I first started to get into TNG, because TNG started when I was 10, mm-hmm. right, the only way to get POS at that point was either to watch the watch the daily like some channels would show it five days a week mm-hmm. you could do that but then that started to go away as once TNG was on because people were like why would we you know I think a lot of a lot of Paramount told a lot of those channels to take it off because they wanted people to watch TNG instead and with with the original series there was already always so many fucking stupid rights battles between like which production company and which fucking studio and who had the rights to do what. And like yep. a lot of the times they just ignored it because they didn't want to have to pay two lumps of money, depending on how anyone decided to settle the fucking court case if it came up. Yeah. So back then, like the only real way to get TOS for home use was they had like time life had these, this thing where you could pay, you know, I think it was like a couple, like maybe 20 or 30 bucks a month or whatever. And they would send you a videotape every month with one episode on it. Mm-hmm. And so, it was like, basically like the Columbia House of CDs, but like yeah. for movies, VHSs. But, the, but the, the very first run of Farscape DVDs was kind of similar to that, where they would just put out one disc, one disc with two episodes on it. Mm-hmm. Like the first one was the, the premiere episode on IET, and then the second one would come out like a couple months later, and it would be the two that we just did. Did right episode three and four, um, and it took. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that. I did that for a little while. I grabbed those. The early days up. of DVDs were fucking rough, because yep. yeah, that's how it was. Like you get I two. Maybe, if you were lucky, you get five episodes of one thing, but like they wouldn't be in like the actual order. You get like the first three episodes of a premiere, and then like episode 8 and, like, 17 on one disc, and then, like, six months later they'd come out with another disc with, like, episodes, like, 5, 6 and, like, 20 and 17 or something. Like, the weirdest fucking number pattern, and it's like, oh my god, that was so irritating. I also remember, I don't know what what the release of this was like where you guys are, but I remember being, you know, when DVD started really take off, TNG was the first one of the first shows to do the box set thing, but 
the pricing was absurd. Like now you could go now you could go get a Blu-ray season of TNG for like forty bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Back then, it was like six hundred and thirty for the set. It was like, what it the was, fuck? It was it was worse than that? Was, uh, the each each box set of of TNG was a hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. So like, I didn't bother with it until the prices came down. In fact, I didn't actually bother with it until they did the T- the the Blu-ray remasters. Um, but back then, I was like. I'm not spending three hundred bucks on the first two seasons that are awful. Like yeah. there's just no way I would do that. So you know, and I almost kind of wonder if you know, and we and we've in the some of the Trek retro shows we've done, we've talked about how I feel like DS Nine was a show before its time. Like mm-hmm. if some if something like DS Nine were released now, where people are more programmed for heavily serialized shit. And that's not like a deterrent, like they used to believe it to be. I feel like this show is kind of the same way. Like if you put out something like this now, I feel like people would be, you know, and it it was it was always a popular show, but it kind of, I feel like it did about as much as you would expect something on a on a lower tier cable channel to do. Um, yeah, you know, but I think generally today more people are kind of more receptive to it. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. The same argument, yeah. With, for example, Firefly, like there's a pretty big chance mm-hmm. that if you are today, it's gonna get more than one season. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But again, like you don't get writing like that now, so that's why a lot of these are picking up after the fact because yeah. people are going back to watch things that when were actually written to well. Today, it's like you know, it's our number. I think it's our number one complaint when we do stuff that's you know, new stuff. It's always like. Just re- the writing could have been better. Yeah, and this is and the like, better writing, and then you can put up with like lesser graphics or whatever. It's like lack of CG if because you, if you, did you didn't this, have if anybody you did then, show, and you can just enjoy the show for being. Well, that's a great just show. If, if you got hurt and you care about what you're doing, you get more creative to pull off something you really want to pull off. So like yep. everybody's more invested in things when you know what I mean, like. When you're just using CGI to cover everything, like every plot hole, you just kind of erase with a big action scene. Like it gets dull. You know what I mean? Like the writing doesn't stay yeah. strong. And like you can have good character writing in those moments, and you can have good moments with shitty character writing. Like that, like the moment could have been great if they tried. You know yeah. what I mean? And like we complain about a lot of different ways that writing has gone wrong now. But when you go back to something like this, where like, Again, every character was like perfectly realized right from the start, whether they had all the plot points in mind or not. They had enough of like, here's who you are, here are the, here's like the way your character is. And the actors definitely had input on how the characters, well, I think my character would kind of be more like this. And they'd be like, okay, that's cool. It's weird. Oh, yeah. We're right in. Like, so like yeah. you can tell like they play off each other and like everything wasn't set in stone right from the start, but there was enough collaboration and everybody gave enough of a shit and we're all in 100% on what they were doing that like yep. you can hide a lot of the flaws in like oh well it looks dated on this fucking slight CGI thing they use when they fire a bolt or something right like like okay like you can get away with it being cheesy if you know the heart is there and everything is like yeah again yeah, I, don't, I know what I'm trying to say like well here's a comparison right I feel like if they did this show now, like, 
let's assume that the 9903 version doesn't exist, and they do this show now, right? It's a completely different show, because, <clears throat> because they take John out of it completely. It's about Aaron, and it's about, like, you know, sh- she ends up on the prisoner ship because she objected to something that the peacekeepers did, and, like, there's stuff about how, like, her parents were shitty or something. Like she has, well, she's basically Jin or so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, and that, and you know, that's I guess that's okay. But and then the other thing would be like, Pilot and Rigel would be CGI. That's what they do now, right? There would be no, <laughs> there would be no Henson. Yeah, and like the way writers write now, it's like, okay, well now that he's CGI, we can do more with him. So like, let's have him in some of the fight scenes, and it's like, then you get like. Episode two, Attack of the Clones, Yoda flipping around fighting an eighty year old fucking yeah. Christopher Lee, and it's just like, like what? Pilot, pilot what? would be pilot would be smaller because it would be like that doesn't make any sense that he would be that size if he's CGI. We can do whatever we want. No, pilot would be huge, and the whole room would just be built around him because he can't get out. He's yeah. just the brain center of the thing. Yep. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and I mean that you know that could work maybe if you'd never seen the version of it that we've seen and you're not like what the fuck is this, but you know that's why as much as you hear about revivals and reboots and stuff now, like, and I have like some of them, like I like the Quantum Leap one that's going on right now, but uh, that's why I'm glad I've never heard anything about this show being reapproached or rebooted or anything because. I feel like with the way a lot of stuff is written now, it would just get completely skull-fucked. Well, it'd get muddied down by all the same things that are ruining all the same things now. And it's like, there's a lot of stuff now that really, like, on the premise and the fucking, like, casts alone, you should be able to get something out of. But we're ending up with these giant wet turds like She-Hulk or Rings of Power or, like, like, name something. (laughs) Like, we've watched plenty that are just like, why? Plus, the other thing is, like, outside of Zahn, and possibly John, like, aren't, you know, with the way people are, like, super sensitive about portrayals now, right? Like, wouldn't Dargo be too violent, and... Oh, yeah, he'd definitely be, like, a woman, and they'd be like, well, this this cast isn't diverse enough, we need a black person, so they'd probably switch Dargo to a black woman, and it's like... Or they'd make John black, which wouldn't matter that much, but... Well, and then the, and then somebody... and again, like there's a lot of Ben Browder's performance, just like the way he delivers a line. Like it's the actor; it's not the fact that he's like a certain color. Like, yeah, yeah, you could have got away with this role with any other charismatic actor, but like he again, like just like every other actor in the show, like they take the character and they add enough to it that it's like. This wasn't exactly what they had planned out. You can tell they ran with it because the actor can do this, or we want to see them do this, or like, hey, and this is an idea they pitched that works. Like, then somebody would make the argument now that Rigel's somehow making fun of Jews. You know? Oh, it, that'd definitely be some kind of fucking argument. Like, yeah, like, which is why I don't think you'll ever see Star Trek go near and, the again either. And you don't even have to go race like. Oh well, he's an emperor, so he's like privileged, and then it just starts the ball rolling from there, and then they start he's adding their own bullshit onto it. And... Like really, you know. But again, like this is why, like, no, Zahn and uh, you know, Aaron would probably be gay. There'd be somebody who could be non-binary. 
you know, Dago would probably well, I mean, be transgender. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is the thing. Like when you, when you start to have to add those things, it takes away from what you can do with the things you actually have an idea for. Yeah, yeah and this is because then you can you can only write some of these of like working with what you got and actually making it. You know, and that's the thing. Like this, when we, we keep pointing out, like every one of these actors takes a character they're acting, it's like makes it better, and like. And like I know this is just like small sample because I only watched four episodes and you guys already seen the show, but it's like even when you look at these four episodes that we reviewed so far, it's like when you look at episode where they are at the start of episode one and where they are at the end of episode four, like the character growth they go through is like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's and that's the thing, like think about how many compared to where we're gonna be yeah, yeah and like, but it's like even in four episodes, in like he four episodes, still, here, I, still I, progresses, it still gets better. Mm-hmm, I agree. Grow. Like the, the the way they play off of each other, the relationships, the respect that they build between each other, like, mm-hmm. it's evident. Well, that's just it. Yeah. Like everything, basically, that I've said for all four episodes is things that I like. It'd take me what, like, forty-five seconds to sum up those things in a lot of like major movies and like the streaming site tv shows now like there's just no character depth there and there's just so much in this that's like packed into every character that every little moment is like oh well when you think about it this way that actually does this for this character this way like Mm -hmm. again like and this is what people are going back to the shows like this like it's they want stuff that actually has like well-written characters well-written stories and it's all in one package like even if it is a little bit cheesy at times like it's fun it has that heart and it has that like okay this is what a show used to be like my yeah. only hope is like five six Good years down the road when like an even better when, show right now well that's just it like my hope is like five or six years down the road when all these kids that are growing up watching these kind of things start to like graduate into being writers in writer rooms they remember this and they get away from like the agenda driven like you have to have a quota of this kind of character this kind of actor this kind of fucking person this kind of fucking and then you can't write them this way because that's a stereotype and you can't write anything bad to happen to them because then that's racist so they're all these one note just cardboard cutouts that are like stereotypes of like the worst yeah, of what they they're trying to do like, adversity because you can't put them through adversity because it's gonna offend well, somebody Cap- it's the captain marvel problem right where like what in her own movie ever was even close to a threat or a challenge for her? Nothing. Right. And that's the problem. Like it's even though like, I'm not a huge fan of Brie Larson or like whatever, like that character could have been good. If you actually made her struggle against a couple of things, like even with Brie Larson, who I'm not a fan of, like it could have been a good movie. I could have liked her in that role, but I, they just didn't give me anything to like, which and then they go, oh, well, it's just because of sexism. And it's like, no, it's because you wrote a bland character. Like, Which reminds me of the um, <coughs> of the conversation we had where we determined that the Marvel cameos don't count toward the contracts. Don't they? No, they don't. That's the point. Oh. Like, when when oh. she, when they, any of the post-credit stuff doesn't count. So like, oh, no. When, she, when she's in Shang-Chi, that doesn't count. When she's okay, in, see, when she showed up in Miss Marvel on Disney Plus, I thought that'd be like an appearance, count. but doesn't count. No, so okay, she's actually, she's actually only at two movies because oh, that makes sense. That you don't count the cameos as uh, actual appearances. Yeah. All right, so I think we had another good discussion here, and 
kind of pointed out why, you know, writing on these kind of shows has changed so much over the years, I guess. Um, so our next episode would be Season 1, Episode 5, Back and Back and Back to the Future. Um, you would also then, we'll, we'll go a couple out, because I think we're gonna, we're planning on doing a session of three in the next few days. So episode six is Thank God It's Friday Again, and episode seven would be PK Tech Girl. Uh, none of these, I remember none of these at all, so it'll be interesting to see what, um, what these actually are. Uh, I tend to remember more of this stuff in the later years. Because the for me the serialized the heavily serialized stuff is easier to recall I guess, um, so yeah so another fun one and uh, I think we're enjoying this process here so uh, we will keep doing these and soon we'll be putting them out for people to hear so yay. Mm-hmm.